do. Uh, the gospel doesn't, um, so please, if you want to know more information, go to the back, uh, sign up and say, hey, I just want to know more, um, and someone will get in touch with you as soon as possible. The other amazing thing is that we have a, a new membership class coming up. This will start October 6th. Um, it'll be hosted at the McDonald House, uh, and Kirk will lead you guys, allowing you guys to understand more about our core values, uh, what we believe as far as our doctrine goes, and, and, and understand our statement of faith. Um, this is a time where any of you guys that are not members yet or just curious about membership or curious about our church can ask the hard questions, uh, and, and, and there'll be men that are ready to answer them. Um, you find that kind of this day and age that the churches can't really give you um, the, the full understanding of what they're about. They're like, yeah, oh, Jesus is great, and that's the, they kind of end on that. And, and, and we believe that, but we want to make sure you guys understand why we do what we do, and you guys can ask us questions. So there'll be child care provided. Um, there'll be food provided, which is awesome, right? I, and if Kirk's cooking, I don't know if he is. He's probably working. No, he's not cooking. But if you get a chance to have some Kirk McDonald food, you are definitely blessed. Um, so that'll be starting, like I said, October um, 6th. It'll be Sunday nights at, at the Kirk McDonald House. And uh, please, if you want to know more information about that as well, please uh, write down on those, com um, those comment cards in the back uh, asking about membership. Lastly, since we've been talking about these tables in the back, here at Gospel Community Church, we believe that we are called to give our first fruits uh, tithing. You can do that in two ways here at our church. Uh, you guys can go back into the tithing envelopes back there and give your offering uh, or your tithes and um, write them in the envelope and drop them in those boxes. Or you guys can go to www.gospelcc.com and you guys can set up an account there. Um, the Robinson family does that. I do that. Um, and, and we find it beneficial um, because we get paid regularly. Uh, like, like It's a consistent pay. And so it makes sense for us to give our tithing authors that way. Some people don't. Some people want to write it down. And, and I think that's amazing. Um, please, we feel that we're supposed to uh, plant churches here in this church. We want to see the gospel um, be spread wide and far. Um, and this is one of the ways that we can do that through your tithes and authoring. Uh, with that being said, today we're going to be reading in Ephesians 4. Um, if you guys have no Bible and you guys want a Bible, there's some black Bibles that should be around you guys somewhere. Take it. It's yours. You can have it. It's our gift to you guys. Um, today we're going to be on page 978. Um, we're going to be reading the second half of chapter 4. It's going to be verses 17 through 32. It says this. This is the word of God. Now this I say and testify. Please stand. I'm sorry. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened and their understandings alienate them from life, from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed to greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is, I mean, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and the true right, righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehoods, let each one of you speak the truth which it, um, um, with his neighbor. For we are members one another. 
Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that you may have something to share with one another in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up and fits the occasion that it may grace those who hear it. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed on the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Lord, this text has definitely worked on me this week. And I pray that our hearts are softened, that, that we hear these words, and we know that they're your great revelation to speak to us. And today, as Kurt comes up to, to deliver your message, uh, allow his words to be your words, and allow us to be ready to hear what you have to share with us today. We are honored to be able to be able to have a, a, a corporate gathering like this where we can worship freely. And, and let us honor you by receiving these words and living them. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Good morning, Gospel Community Church. How are we doing this morning? Good. So glad to be back. Uh, thank you, thank you for allowing me to be uh, out of the uh, pulpit, not preaching for three weeks. Uh, definitely enjoyed my, my time away, uh, but I'm very eager this morning. Uh, so I hope you pack a lunch uh, because I haven't preached for three weeks. So. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so before we get going, uh, I, I do have a little bit of family business uh, that I want to get to. I want to read uh, this text. Um, it, it says, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Here at Gospel Community Church, we believe uh, that there are two offices in the church, that of elder or pastor and that of deacon. Uh, and so we take a lot of uh, time and, and, and walk through what we call the deacon process. So how that works is somebody says, hey, I, I believe the Lord is calling me to serve the church in this way, to be a, a deacon. Uh, and so we just take some time and walk with them, uh, look into their life, uh, train them in theology, uh, and, and kind of do that. And, and so it, it's a long process. Uh, as that process is going, we're testing them, we're looking into their life. Um, and, and so we've had several people who have come through that process. And, and here's what we do. Once someone has completed that process, uh, we present them to you, the body, and say, hey, uh, we as your leadership team, me as the, the elder pastor, I believe this dude is legit. He's a deacon. Um, and then what we do is we allow a week to go by uh, that if you know something about him that I don't, you can come to me and tell me. Okay, maybe you saw him at Walmart punching an old lady. I don't know. 
Um, but, but if there's stuff like that, you know, if there's stuff in his life that you're concerned about, you feel like he doesn't need to be in that leadership position, then you come tell us and, and we'll, we'll go from there. Okay. Now, again, you can talk to me directly or you can send me an email uh, with your name on it if you have a concern about a person who, who is going to be installed. I do not take anonymous, hey, I saw this person do this, okay? Um, so th that is your part in installing leadership and how your role works in um, how you're going to help uh, build up the leadership of this church. And so uh, at this time, for my good brother, Nathan Burdett, he's in the back. Uh, if he would stand and everybody can just kind of turn and see, he's waving. He'll be, see, okay, cool. Um, okay, you can sit back down now. That, that's Nathan. Um, I, I want to tell you, man, th this dude uh, ha has just exploded in his faith and in his growth in Christ. Um, I, I've had a, a brilliant opportunity to walk with him for uh, a good while, walking him through the deacon process. Th this text right here that says qualifications for deacon, that dude's a deacon, okay? We, we put our stamp of approval on it, um, and so I, I will allow you guys to speak into that. You can come to me this week, um, and, and if not, what we'll do publicly next week is install him as a deacon, okay? Is that good? All right, cool. Uh, let's get to work today. Uh, I'm, uh, again, very excited to, uh, to be back uh, preaching again. Uh, who in here grew up in the church? Raise your hand if you grew up in the church. Okay, raise your hand if you did not grow up in the church. That was not your world. Okay, for those of you who did not grow up in the church, <clears throat> let me just kind of bring you into uh, what we saw a lot, what was the testimony. Okay, anybody ever given their testimony before at church? You, you stood up and, you know, gave your testimony? Okay, um, there are uh, some really, really great testimonies, and, and again, please don't hear me saying they're bad or wrong or whatever, but the culture that I grew up in, the church that I grew up in, testimonies were done in a very um, particular way uh, that may not have been very helpful, okay? So in the church I grew up in, here's how the testimony would go. Okay? Before I met Christ, I was awful. I mean, I was an alcoholic. I, you know, I, I beat my wife. I, you know, I, I sped in school zones. Uh, you know, uh, they, they would list all this terrible stuff, like how their life was. This, this is what I was like. But then I got saved. And once I got saved, I never even thought about a drink again. I never told a lie again. I mean, everything is awesome. I mean, I, I met Jesus, and now my life is perfect, and I don't struggle with sin anymore. Okay, this is who I was. You know, I was in gangs. I was punching people in the face. And, and I met Jesus. And now I've, I've yet to punch anybody. As a matter of fact, I don't even think about punching people uh, because of what, what God has done. And, and so there, there's just this radical transformation in them. And now they don't struggle with sin anymore. Right? Um, and, and so for me growing up, that, that was really difficult because, it, listen, it created an atmosphere in church to where it was not okay to be not okay, right? So, so they would present like, oh my, this was my life before Christ, terrible, awful, you know, like punching people, cussing all the time. And that, then now, I don't, oh man, I never, I never use swear words ever again. Once I, and so it created this atmosphere to where nobody could really talk about what they were really struggling with. It, it, it created this atmosphere of, we all have it together, you come to church, how you doing this morning, brother? Oh, great, brother. How's your week been? Oh, it's been fantastic, right? right? Which, which is a total lie, right? Their life is a wreck, but, I mean, they look really good on Sunday. <clears throat> um, 
And, and so for me, my experience was I, I, I received Christ. I had a radical transformation, okay? So, so before, I, I wanted to sin. It was like the highlight of my week was sinning. But, but then something changed in me to where I didn't want to sin anymore. But sometimes I would find myself still walking in that sin. That, that was my experience. And so, so I was sitting there listening to this guy tell his testimony about how he, he met Christ and never sinned again. And I'm thinking, well, that's not my experience. But my experience is I, I, I found myself not wanting to sin after my conversion. I, I didn't want to, but, but I kind of still wanted to, right? Is that, is that anybody else? Like, did you deal with that tension to where it was like, man, I, I want to obey Christ. I, I, I want to do what the Bible tells me to do. I want to walk in holiness and purity. And there's this tug and this pull and this gnawing to, to live the old lifestyle the way that I used to live. The Apostle Paul describes it this way in Romans chapter 7, verse 15. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. Right? That, that was my experience. I didn't want to walk in that sin anymore, but I found myself walking in it. And, and so no one was um, explaining to me the battle that was happening in me. I, I think it's because people just didn't want to admit that they still struggle with sin. Okay? So, so listen. This is a place to where it's okay to not be okay. It, if I were to tear off this fancy shirt right now, there is not an S on my chest. Okay? What's underneath this shirt is a white V-neck. Okay? It's not an S. The, I am not the Superman. There are no heroes here at this church. We exist to point to the hero, which is Jesus. Okay? Um, and so we don't have it figured out. We still struggle with sin. We are fellow strugglers. Okay, everybody say fellow strugglers. Fellow. Yeah, that, that's what we are. We are a group of fellow strugglers coming together to encourage one another, to help one another, to love one another as we struggle with daily fighting sin. Okay, that, that, that is who we are and, and what we're doing. So we've been in Ephesians for nine weeks now, uh, kind of traveling through this book. Uh, and, and what we saw was in chapters one through three of this book was orthodoxy. Everybody say orthodoxy. Orthodoxy, orthodoxy or right and true doctrine. Good doctrine, right doctrine. That we, we built the foundation of, this is the foundation of a believer in Christ. Chapter 1 was, blessed be the God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who before the foundations of the world predestined us for adoption. Right? Like, whoa. Like, that, that was crazy what we saw. That God, before we even existed, said, I love you. I'm going to chase you down because you're my kid and I love you. Right? And, and then chapter 2 said, and it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing so that anyone could boast. But, but this is my work. And now I'm going to work in you and you're going to be master, uh, master pieces of art. Right? That, that's what we saw. That, that it's not anything you can do to save yourself. Okay? You can go to church every Sunday, you can read your Bible, you can put on a tie, you can stop drinking, smoking, cussing, chewing. You, know, you can do all that stuff and still not be saved. The way that you're saved, it is a work that God does in you. It's something that He does. You're saved by grace. Okay? Not because you're awesome or smell good. 
It's because of what he does. He transforms us. Boom. It's something he does. It's a work and act of God. That's what we learned in chapter 2. And then in chapter 3, we saw that God is revealing himself, that, that we see the manifold wisdom of God. That's what the text says. We see the manifold wisdom of God revealed through the church. So again, what, what, did, what did our brother Paul say? He said that we're, we're saved from something. What are we saved from? We're saved from sin. We're saved from death. We're saved from hell. And we're saved to something, which is the body of Christ, the local church, okay? And, and that's how God is revealing himself to the world. He, he's revealing himself through communities of people who love each other, serve each other, and are out there loving and serving the community around us, okay? Um, th that's what we learned in chapters one through three, okay? So that's all of the doctrine. N now in chapters four through six, what we're gonna see is, is the practice. So this is the truth, okay? Now what do you do with that truth? That, that's the big idea, Okay, that, that is where we, we really start to walk out what it means to be a Christian. That there are a lot, okay, we're, we're here in the South, there are a lot of people who know theological truth but don't actually live it out. Am I right? So, so there are people everywhere who you, you would ask them, uh, who, who is Jesus? And they will say, well, hey, he's the son of God. What did he do on the cross? He died for our sins. Okay, cool. What's the Bible? What's the written word of God? Okay, but they live like hell. Right? So, so they, they know the truth, but, but it's not in practice in their life. They're not walking it out day by day. Uh, and so this is, chapters 4 through 6, is the walking out, the practical implication of what my life looks like now that before the foundation of the earth, I was predestined, I was saved by God and saved into a community of faith, now daily walking that out. That, that's, that's what chapters 4 through 6, is, and that's where we're going to find ourselves today. We're, we're going to see a daily practical fighting of sin because nobody in this room, including me, has it figured out. We have to daily wake up and fight sin um, in response to what God has done. So, um, Here's what I like to do. You guys know I love to do an overview. I, I, I want to show you where we're going in the text. I, I want you to see that the, that the text is cohesive, that it makes sense. And, and all I'm going to do this morning is just walk you through what the Bible says. Again, I don't have it figured out, meaning I don't have any wisdom to give you. I, I've got nothing. But I know this book does. And so if I just explain what this says, we're going to learn something today. Amen? Okay, so, so that's my goal today is just, let's just walk through text and I just want to say what the Bible says. That, that is my, that's my goal um, every Sunday. So in verses 17 through 19, Paul tells us to act like we're saved by contrasting us with the unsaved. He's going to say, don't walk like they do. Don't live like they do. And here's how they live. He shows us what an unsaved person's life looks like, how they think, how they act, how they feel. And he says, see that? Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Right? That, that, that's what he's going to say. See all this? Don't be like that, but be like this. He's going to contrast the two. They were futile in their minds. They were darkened the understanding. They were alienated from God, so on and so forth. But, but that's not you. That, that's not who you are. In verses 20 through 21, we learn because of our relationship with Jesus, we are totally transformed, which includes our thinking. 
Okay? So, so unsaved people are futile in mind. Their understanding is darkened, but, but that's not you because you learned Christ, which means you have a relationship with him, meaning you're now totally transformed. You see all these people? That's not who you are. You're something altogether different now because of the transforming work that Jesus did. Verses 22 through 24, he shows us practically how we wage daily war against sin. I love this. Okay? We wake up in the morning. Here's what you do. You put off the old man. You put off the old self. You renew your mind and you put on the new man, put on the new self. And you know what you do the next day? You wake up in the morning, you put off the old man, you renew your mind and put on the new self. And then the day after that, you wake up in the morning, you put off the old man, you renew your mind and put on the new self. And it's a daily waging of war, fighting sin. Okay? So what does it mean to put off the old man? What does it mean to renew your mind? What does it mean to put on the new man? That's what we're going to see today in the text. And lastly, 25 through 32, those verses we'll see that we need to do all of this in close relationship with other believers because God's design is for us to be dependent on each other. Okay? Uh, again, this is going to fly in the face um, of American individualism. Right? I'm an American. I do what I want. I blaze my own trail. Right? Th this is going to fly in the face of that and say, No. You're a weak sinner who needs to daily wage war on sin. And what you need is brothers and sisters in Christ around you to help you do that. Okay? Because you'll drown on your own. You'll drown on your own. Okay? So, here's the whole sermon. I'm going to give you my sermon in a sentence. If you get this sentence, if you get it down in your soul, and you already know it, you're welcome to leave and or play Angry Birds on your phone for the rest of my sermon. Here it is. On the basis of who we are in Christ, fight sin in the context of community. On the basis of who we are in Christ, fight sin in the context of community. Okay, listen, this is not a leave out of here and go do better and be better. That's not, that's not the sermon. <laughs> The, the basis is who we are in Christ, that Christ has transformed you. You're already new, and so go out and walk in your newness and, and do that with other people, okay? That's, that's, the whole, that's the whole sermon. Okay, eager to get to the text. You guys ready? You guys ready to get to the text? Okay, here we go. That's, that's my whole sermon. We're, we're going to now break it down piece by piece. Here we go. Chapter 4, we're going to read verses 17 through 19. Chapter 4, verses 17 through 19. Now, this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Okay, um, so he, he is laying out uh, what an unsaved person's mind looks like and does. Did you see that? Look, look back at the text. It, it says they are darkened in their what? In their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of 
ignorance due to the hardness of the heart they had become callous and given themselves up to so on and so forth darkened in their understanding they're ignorant this is this is the way unsaved people are it's how their mind works it's their worldview basically unsaved people's brains are broken okay um they have an incorrect worldview do you know what a worldview is Okay, here's a definition for worldview. A, a worldview is the overall perspective from which one sees and interprets the world. Okay? Or, or your cognitive orientation. But basically, the, the, the way your brain sees and views and interacts with the world around you. This is saying that lost people have an incorrect cognitive orientation. Okay? That, that it, it means that the way they see things and view things um, is broken. So so the question is, how does the world or how do lost people view the world? Okay, what what is the world's worldview, right? Uh, I've got kind of three things here that that I think can summarize the world's worldview. Here they are. Number one, the world's worldview is, I'm okay. I'm okay, right? I'm, I'm not that bad of a person. Right? I, I never killed anybody. Uh, I didn't cheat on my taxes. I'm a pretty good person. As a matter of fact, last week, I helped an old lady put her groceries in her trunk. Huh? See there? I'm, I'm okay. I'm a pretty good person. Right? I, I, I'm, I'm working on it. And, and, and you know what? I, I don't need to be saved because I'm pretty good. Right? The, the, the world does not view themselves as broken sinners. They view themselves as someone who's that pretty much okay. I mean, you know, there there are other bad people out in the world, like, you know, my next door neighbor. I mean, that guy, he's terrible. Me, I'm okay, right? I'm not that bad of a person. And listen, if they're not that bad of a person, guess what? They don't need to be saved. (laughs) It's only the person who says, I'm not a good person. I am a sinner. Therefore, I need to be saved. But the world's thinking says, I'm not that bad of a person. Therefore, I do not need to be saved. Okay? And, and again, here's what the world fails to understand. They fail to understand that, that bottom, like bottom shelf morality is the Ten Commandments. Okay? And everyone in this room has failed all of them. <laughs> I mean, just think about them. No other gods before me. Okay? Who in here has put things in their life above and before God? Okay? Honor your parents. Well, let's skip that one completely. Do not lie. Mm. Don't steal. Always keep the Sabbath holy. Right? It's just like one after the other after you're going, ow, oh, oh, man. Right? And so the world's thinking is darkened and futile because they think they're okay when they're absolutely not. In addition, Number two, here's the world's worldview. What I believe is my authority should be over the word of God. The the world says my authority is actually over the authority of the word of God. And so if you come to the world and you say, don't you see what the Bible is saying? Don't you you see that, that the Bible is saying you're lost and you need to be saved and this is the type of life that the Bible is calling you to live? They'll say something like, well, you know what? I think, or I believe, you know what? I believe, what did they just do in that statement? They elevated themselves over the word of God, believing themselves to be the authority over him. 
And, and listen, Christians do this all the time too. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times I've counseled with people and talked to people and, and they'll say something like this. I know the Bible says this, but, but I, right? The, again, that, that is the shifting of, and, and what they try to do is try to r- like rationalize themselves out of it. You know, it's, it's like, well, well, you know, I know it says we ought to wait till we're married, you know, uh, but we're engaged, see there? So we can't, right? They, they, they try to rationalize. They, they, they try to get around it and, and, and try to remove themselves uh, from under God's authority and place themselves over God's authority. This is the world's thinking, right? The, the world's thinking is this is an old, crusty, outdated book um, that, that we are smarter than. They don't see it as God's authoritative word and over 4,000 years of written history on who and what God is, right? That, that's what the Bible is, but, but they don't, the world doesn't see it that way because their minds are darkened and they're futile in their thinking. They're ignorant. Lastly, the world's worldview is build your own kingdom because the goal is your happiness, Build your own kingdom because the goal is your happiness, right? Do whatever feels good. Do whatever is going to make you happy. That's, that's what you ought to do, right? Okay, so, so who in here, when, you, when you're in high school, you went to the guidance counselor, okay? You went to the guidance counselor, no one at all. I'm alone. Okay, very good, two of us. Um, so here's what, if you did go, here's what the guidance counselor would tell you. Um, after you graduate high school, we want you to go to college, you know, so, so start thinking about colleges. okay. Why do I need to do that? Well, you need to go to college so that you can get a good job. Okay, why do I need to do that? So that you can make a lot of money. Okay, why do I need to do that? So that you can get a big house um, and a nice car and and have a a family. That's what you need to do. Okay, what did they just tell you? Build your own kingdom so that you can be happy. Okay, again, how many people do you know that have the career that they've always wanted, they've got the house, they've got the family, and they're absolutely miserable? Right? Okay, yeah. So, so we know those people. No, nobody in here, right? Nobody in here. But we know those people um, who, who have achieved everything they set out to achieve, and, and then just, they're, they're still unhappy, right? Not to mention all of those people who went to college, got out of college, you know, with billions of dollars worth of debt and didn't get a job. So... And I'm sure that's nobody in here either. But um, so, so, so if the goal is to build your own kingdom and, and that'll make you happy, the question is, Americans, how, how are we doing at that? Not very good, okay? So, so just set it, and here's why. Because when you build your own kingdom, I give this analogy all the time and I'll give it again. When you set out to build your own kingdom, it's like building a sandcastle on the shore, a wave is going to come knock it down. Uh, you know, some angry kid is going to come stomp it. The wind's going to blow, right? And so we spend our whole lives building sandcastles on the shore. We, we put every bit of blood, sweat, and tears into building sandcastles on the shore, which is eventually in the end going to uh, break down, fall apart, because the universe is crushing it. <laughs> right? So the, the world's thinking is broken and futile. The world tells you, I'm okay. The world tells you, I have authority over God's word. The world will tell you, build your own kingdom because the goal is your happiness, okay? 
They're, they're futile in their minds. They're darkened in their understanding, and they are ignorant. So what does this type of mind lead to? Where, where does this type of mind, this type of worldview, where does it lead to? Well, it continues on in this same text, and it says, due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous. So when your mind is futile, when you're darkened understanding and you're ignorant, it leads to a hard heart, which is callous. It, it's callous. Um, a, a few uh, weeks back, I was uh, playing in the yard with my, uh, with my little daughter, um, and all of a sudden, she was gone, uh, and, and it, I was wondering where she had went, and it's not because she had ran away. It was because uh, the grass in my yard was so tall, she fell over, and I could not see her. <laughs> so I decided at that point, I, I should cut the grass. <clears throat> um, so I went and borrowed uh, my good friend Charles Bird's lawnmower, which is a, a push a push lawnmower, okay? Now, hey, th- these hands are for Bible reading and praying, okay? Um, I'm just kidding. I- I've, done, I've done some manual labor, okay, one time. Um, so so I'm, out, I'm out there pushing this lawnmower, and man, like right, right here on my hand, it, it just starts to ache, and that, I mean, it, it literally just like took the skin right off. I mean, this, the skin was gone. I had to go like put on some gloves and, and you know, keep, keep pushing because I, I have a, a, a kind of a large yard, and so, uh, man, after it was done, like it, it just hurt, but uh, the next couple of days, man, that, that skin grew back, and it created a layer of, of dead skin. And so if I would have went back and done that again, it, it would have kind of opened it up again, but then that dead skin would have grown back again. If I would have kept repeating that same process, what I would have would be big calluses on my hands to where um, something had happened that killed that skin and it just continued to build up layers of deadness. This is exactly what happens in the human soul. We walk into sin and it hurts us, right? Right? Again, God says don't do these things, not because they're fun and awesome, but because they hurt you. And so we walk in sin. We, we click on that website. We, we begin to look at pornography or we yell at our wives or we, what, whatever sin you're walking in. And it hurts the first couple of times. But then you do it again and you build up another layer of deadness and another layer of deadness and another layer of deadness until you can't feel the pain of that sin anymore. Your heart essentially becomes hard and you've built up a callous to sin that is deadly and destructive in your life. And then the result of that is what? That they give themselves up to sensuality, greed, and practice every kind of impurity. Right? I don't know if you guys follow current events or know what's happening in Syria and all that stuff. Like, They set off a massive chemical bomb that killed women and children. You, you think, how in the world can that happen? How does someone perpetrate this? Due to the hardness of heart, they have become callous. They're darkened in their understanding. They're futile in their minds. That, that's how they can walk in something like this. And, and here's the truth about everyone in this room. Everyone in this room walked in here this morning with some type of current callousness. Everybody, me, me too, okay? The, the question I want you to ask yourself this morning is where are you callous? Where have you walked in the same, same sin, walked in that same sin, done it again, done it again, and now it just feels natural even though you know it's wrong? Where, where are you walking? Where, where's that callous built up at? Listen, this is so amazing. You, you can beg the Holy Spirit this morning to come in and tear that callus off and start afresh. And he'll do it. 
He'll do it. So in the end, what it results in is they give themselves up to sensuality and greed and impurity and every kind uh, of their practices. So, so at the end of this list, so you're futile in mind, darkened in your understanding, you're ignorant, which leads to a hardened heart and callousness, and the end result is giving yourself up to sensuality and, and greedy for all kinds of impurity, okay? You, you run headlong into nasty, dirty, sinful stuff, okay? Um, I, I want to prove that point to you, um, who in here watched the VMAs? Okay, let's just launch into that. Okay, very good. Some, some people watch the VMAs. If you didn't, don't. Um, I'm, I'm not making a statement that we should boycott anyone. I'm not calling anyone's name. I'm not saying this person or that person. I'm, I'm merely, I, I want to prove a point to you about this text. I want to prove the Bible's point, okay? Here's my question. In what world is it acceptable uh, for a 40-year-old man to stand on a stage in front of a monster crowd of people and have a half-naked 20-year-old perform a sex act on him and, and everyone applauds it. In what world is that okay? Our world, our world says, yes, we would like to see more of that, right? Okay. This is crazy, right? This is insane that, that our culture does this, that this is where we are. We, we applaud this type of behavior and activity, right? The question is, how did we get there? Well, because we're futile in mind, darkened in understanding, ignorant. We have a hardness of heart that has become callous, and we give ourselves up to sensuality and greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That, that's how that happened. That's how that got on television, and everyone applauds it, Right? So, let's continue, let's continue reading in our text. Take a look at verse 20. But, here we go. Man, we know that word, don't we? Right, this is, this is what the Apostle Paul typically does. He will paint this terrible, bleak picture, right? This is awful. The whole world is going to hell in a handbasket. Right, we're greedy to practice all types of impurity. We're terrible sinners, evil and wicked. But, but, what, what does it say? But, this is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have learned about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. So first off, let me say this. We are not to be um, anti-culture. We're to be counterculture. Okay? We're not to be anti-culture. This is one of the big problems that the church has. The church likes to build up big, tall fences and throw rocks over it at the world. Okay? That's a real issue. We are not called to be anti-culture or push ourselves towards a monastic living or a monk-style living to where we totally separate ourselves and we drive our Christian cars and listen to Christian radio stations and go to the Christian grocery store and buy our Christian groceries and we only hang out with our little Christian friends and we only listen to... You see what I'm saying? So, so we're called to be in the world, not of the world. That's why Jesus prays, uh, Father, I, I want you to sanctify them. Don't, don't take them out of the world, um, but I want you to sanctify them in the world. That, that's what Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, okay? Um, so we're, we're not to be um, isolated from the culture, but uh, through the truth of the gospel and, and, the, and the protection of the Holy Spirit, we can be insulated from the culture. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. Um, so th- this is not who we are. We are not, if you're a believer in Christ, you are not futile in your mind, dark in your understanding. You're not ignorant. You don't have a callous heart. You're not these things. That's not who you are. If, what did it say? Look back at verse 20 again. But this is not the way you learned Christ. Now, this word learned is very interesting because it means something in the Greek different than what we just imagine it to mean. Okay, the word is monothano, which is referring to not just informational knowledge, but a relational knowledge. Okay, not just informational knowledge. So not just attaining the facts in your brain that Jesus came, Jesus died on the cross, and some people are saved, but it's actually entering into that and saying, no, Jesus died for my sin. He, he died for my sin, and I know him. I, I have a relationship with him. That's, that's what he's saying. That, that's not you, that big list of bad stuff. That's not you if you are in Christ, if you have a relationship with him. Because here's what happens. Jesus comes in, and he totally transforms your life. That, that's what he does. He, he transforms it. He, he, he takes it from the ground up and, and does something altogether different. Um, than, than what we were. He makes us new, okay? Um, do, do you see the, the Christ-centeredness of this passage? Look back at it again, okay? The, the, look at the Christ-centeredness of this. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about who? Him, and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, Okay, so how are you, here's the question, how are you not um, ignorant? How are you not uh, having a hard heart? How are you not callous? Is it because you're awesome? No, no, it's because of him. It's, it's because of what he did. That's how we're not having hard hearts. That's how we're not callous. That's how we're, do you see that? He, he didn't say, okay, uh, look, look back at the text again. And they have become callous and giving themselves up to sensuality in every greedy practice. But that is not the way you learn Christ because you smell very good. You're incredibly intelligent and you have a great singing voice. That's not what the text says. It's because, it's because you are in him, you've learned him. It's about him. That, that's the Christ-centeredness of this transformation. It's not just improvement, but it's total transformation of, of, of who we are. Um, and so sometimes uh, what, what we will try to do is just focus on a, a little bit of change and, and forget the fact that we've been totally transformed. And so, man, if, if, if I could just lay this one thing down, man, if I could just stop looking at pornography. And so here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to destroy all of my computers. I'm going to throw away my smartphone. And I'm, I'm going to just try really hard. Again, how's that working for you? How's that trying really hard to do a great job at being a Christian? I'm just going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and I'm going to go do it. No, no, that never works, okay? Listen, I've tried it, okay? It never works. It's about Jesus doing the transforming work in your life, not about you trying really hard to get the job done. Verse 22 through 24, verses 22 through 24. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former, oh man, former manner of life, 
and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. I love uh, clothing commercials and, and, and going to the mall and stuff because what you'll see um, is a promise to change your life, right? Man, if, if you can wear this jacket, oh man, you know, it's made by such and such guy. And man, when you put this on, your whole life is changed, right? It's, it's tough. These jeans, oh man, they are gonna totally transform your whole life, right? Right now, you, you know, you, you hate your wife and your kids are a pain. Put on these jeans, right? They're, they're gonna solve and change everything. What this text just offered is something that you put on that actually does transform your life. Here's what it said. Put off the old self, be renewed in your mind, and put on the new self. So, so those, are the, those are the three things that were inherent in this text. Put off the old self. What, what does that mean? What, what does that mean, put off the old self, or put off the, the old man? That is fighting the sin that is in your life, and it begins by identifying your old self, okay? There are a lot of different old selves in here, okay? So, so some of you guys, again, we, we raised our hand and said, some of us come from a, a church background, and, and maybe you're more prone to religion and religiosity and pride. You look down your nose at those, I, they drink alcohol and smoke cigarettes. They probably listen to rock music too, huh? You know, that, that, that's that religious prideful heart, right? And, and guess what? If you're a Christian, that's your old self, right? But some of you were that rebellious dude. You, I mean, you were, you know, getting drunk all the time. You were chasing after women. That, that, okay, so, so it begins by identifying your old self. So let me ask you this morning, who is your old self? Who is it? Are, are you the prideful, religious, mean-spirited, look down your nose at people? Are, are you the rebel? Uh, were you the whore? Were you the ang just angry all the time, fighting people, right? Were you the victim? Were you the, okay? Who was, who was your old self? It begins by identifying that so that you can put it off. If you don't know what it is, you can't put it off. So, so it begins by, okay, this is who I was. This is who I was before Christ. I've got to identify that old self so I can shift out of it and put it off. And, and, and then it says, be renewed by the spirit of your mind. Okay, so who has, probably came in this morning and, and you had a pretty good understanding of your old self. Okay, you, you knew who you, raise your hand if, if you can, just, just be honest. Okay, nobody, very good, me. Before I came in this morning, I, I knew who the old self was. Okay, I, I had identified that old self again, but, but it's, it's really hard to keep that old self off, isn't it? He, the, the old self, it, it's like, um, it's like that comfy pair of PJ pants, you know? Man, they, they just fit. You know, you, you guys got PJ pants? You know, you got them shorts that after a long day of work, where you, you come in and you change into those, those old PJ pants. I mean, you had them for years, but they just fit so good, and they're just comfortable, right? That, that's what that old self is like, okay? Uh, I, I, one of my favorite pastors, his name is Eric Mason. He says it like this. He, he says that that old nature likes to holler at you. Yeah, yeah. It likes to holler at you sometimes. Hey, let me holler at you. Hey, 
hey, man, see, I'm the old self. And I was just thinking, you know, I know you got this new nature and all, but, man, I was thinking maybe we could just, you know, get together sometime, you know? You know, your old nature likes to holler at you like that. He, he likes to holler at you, you know, hey, man, you tired? Because you've been running through my mind all day, you know? Like, like the, your, your old nature has a way of, uh, of, creeping, uh, of creeping back up on you, even though that's not who you are anymore. Right? And so the question is, if it does try to holler at you, if it is creeping back up on you, you know this is who I was and I'm not that way anymore because of Christ's work on the cross. And it's creeping back up on me. How do I put it off? Well, the answer is what is next in the text. Be renewed by the spirit of your mind. Okay, so we identify who we were and we renew the spirit of our mind. What does that mean? It means that we get God's truth in here. Right? So, so that means you, you got to pick this old book up and read it. That, that means you got to start getting into God's words so that you can think God's thoughts after him. That makes sense? So if you can get this in here, then you start to think God's thoughts after him. And when that old self starts going, hey, you're, you're the whore. You're the drunk. You're the dude who's angry all the time. You say, no, I'm not. That's not who I am. That's not who I am. And when you start saying that, that is the putting on of the new self or the new man. De declaring who you are in Christ. This is who I am. I, I am free from that. that, that that's, not, that's not who I am. And, and so it is the putting on of your new self. So fill in the blank this morning. In, in, your, in your mind's eye, in, in, in your heart, fill in the blank this morning. I was blank, but I am now I was an alcoholic, but now I am set free from that addiction in Christ. I was, I was promiscuous, but now I am chased in Christ, right? I, I was angry all the time, but now I am joyful in Christ, right? Fill in that blank this morning because that becomes the way that you begin to put on that new self. You do not need to try to be new because you already are, but you need to commit to your newness. I'm going to say that again because somebody should have shouted amen on that one. Okay, let me read that again. You do not need to try to be new because you already are, but you need to commit to your newness. Yeah, yeah. So because of the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross, we're new, period. But what we need to do is just commit to that newness. This is who I am, and, and I'm going to start operating out of my newness and stop operating out of who I am not. Okay? That, that's what the, the text means. Verse 25 through 32. The rest of this text here. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only let such that is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This, this section of the text, verse uh, 25, begins with, therefore. 
okay? So because of this, when when we come to scripture and you see a therefore, what do you ask? What's it there for, right? So here's therefore, okay, therefore what? What's the therefore therefore? It's therefore because he has laid out a model um, of what the daily battle against sin should be. Wake up in the morning. This is who I was. I'm not that anymore. This is who I am now in Christ because of the work that he completed on the cross for me in my place for my sins. This is who I am. I'm going to put off that old man, put on my new man, and here I go. Okay, so, so that's the model. This is the model of daily fighting sin. Okay, so now, therefore, therefore, did you see, did you feel all of the community aspects? Look at verse 25. Speak the truth with his who? With his neighbor. Because why? We're members of who? One another. Look down all the way at 32. Be kind to who? One another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving who? One another. Okay? So, so now there's a, there's, a, there's a community or there's a family aspect that's now been pressed into um, this daily battling sin. So we daily battle sin, but listen, we don't do it alone. You are not designed to be a Lone Ranger Christian out there fighting it all on your own. That you were saved from sin, but you were saved into a family of God. Why do you think the Bible constantly calls each other brothers and sisters in Christ? Right? Because we're supposed to be a family. He is God the Father, right? Again, the Bible uses familial language for a very specific reason because it's trying to show us something. You're you're not out there just doing it on your own because the truth of the matter is every single person has blind spots in their life and what we need is family around us to go, hey, bro, hey, I love you, man. Let me just start there. (laughs) I love you, man, but I see you doing this and it is so destructive to you, man. I I love you. I love you, but listen, you're walking in this sin and it's dangerous. It's going to blow your life up. It's going to blow up your marriage. It's going to hurt you, man. I don't don't want you to live this way anymore, okay? And so there's a a community aspect to it. And so it says, therefore, speak the truth with his neighbor. I, I love this. It says, therefore, having put away falsehood. This means, again, that we have to begin to be truthful about ourselves, Some of y'all are lying to yourselves. Some of you lie to yourselves. This isn't, what I'm doing isn't that bad. It's not that bad. I mean, again, there are people out there who are way worse. They they do terrible stuff. I mean, this is small. This is what I'm doing. It's small. Right? You you lie to yourself. You, You lie to yourself. This tells you to put away falsehood and let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. So the goal is to speak the truth with his neighbor. But if you're lying to yourself, you can't speak the truth to your neighbor. Okay, so, so this says, speak the truth, speak the truth. We, we've got to open up our mouths and, and talk to each other. Why? Did you see again, verse 25? Because we are members of one another. Okay, we are members of one another. This means we should be striving towards holiness, putting on the new self, and helping others do the same. Okay, helping others do the same because we're all a part of one body. Okay, think about this. What if your eyes did not tell the brain what it saw? That'd be bad, right? Y'all are gonna leave out of here and go get in the vehicle. Just think about that, okay? You'd be wrecking into stuff, you know, running people over. That would be bad. 
If, if your eyes did not communicate to your brain what it saw, what if your hand did not communicate to, to the rest of your body that it had been cut? What'll happen? You'll bleed out, right? So, so, so the body has to communicate truth to itself because we're all members of what? One another. Yeah. Yeah, we're all members of the same body. And so we have to communicate that truth to each other, which means you're going to have to have difficult conversations with people sometimes. It means that it's going to be uncomfortable. It means that you need to confront people when they're walking in sin. Okay? Again, this isn't a judgmental, how dare you, I can't believe you did this, shame on you. That's not it at all. But, but you're, because we're a family, you're coming to them in love saying, I love you so much and, and I care about you so deeply that I don't want to see you walking in stuff that is going to blow your life up. That, that's, that's the heart that, that you do. You don't sin in a vacuum. Number one, your sin encourages others not to obey the word of God. And number two, your sin makes it harder for you to call out your other brother's sin. When you walk in sin, you just openly, yeah, man, we're going to this place and we're going to have way too much to drink. And, you know, When you just openly do that, you let people know by your actions that this is acceptable. Um, when you look and view certain things on the internet, when you yell at your wife, when you have company over, when you are harsh to your children, you're setting an example to the body that this is acceptable behavior. That's why we have to call each other out, right? That's why. The next section said, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, okay? Is, Is that, is it missing a word? Be angry. It should be, do not be angry, right? Isn't that what, what it should say? Huh. It says be angry, right? Okay. I always thought that angry, like being angry was bad, right? That you shouldn't be angry. What, what, what about when Jesus goes into the temple? What does he see? He sees them making his father's house a house of trade. And what does he do? Oh, man, he gets angry. He goes out. I mean, he, this is premeditated. I'm about to blow some stuff up. He goes out and he, he takes time to make himself a whip, right? The whole time thinking, I'm about to tear somebody up, yeah. right? He, he's angry, right? He's angry. So, so I want to say there is a righteous anger and an unrighteous anger. This says be angry, Okay, so, so how is that connected to the text? This means that we love each other enough to be angry at the sin in our brother's life. Okay? We love each other enough to see that, look, if, if you keep talking to your wife this way, it's going to hurt your marriage. If, if you keep hanging out with these people, it's going to hurt you. If you keep, and, and we're angry about the fact that they're walking in sin because sin is going to bring destruction not only to them, but to everyone around them. Why? Because you don't sin in a vacuum. Your sin affects everybody around you. Okay, so there is a righteous anger. God is angry at sin, listen, and sinners. That's what Psalm 5.5 tells us. So there's a righteous anger and there's an unrighteous anger where you just, you know, run around punching people. Okay, that's unrighteous anger. Don't do that. Um, But but there is a righteous anger. It says, be angry and do not sin and do not let the sun go down in your anger. What does that mean? Okay, this is is the verse that every married couple has taken out of context uh, because they want to argue right now. Um, 
Be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your anger. This does not mean that you have to solve your dispute before people go to bed, okay? Again, what if you lived in Alaska? You could be mad forever, six months, I think. Isn't that how it works? You just be mad, oh, six months, sun hadn't gone down yet. I am still mad, right? Okay, that's not, that's not what it's talking about. We need to take the Bible literally, literarily, okay? We need to take the Bible literally, literarily. If I said it's raining cats and dogs, what do I mean? I don't mean that animals are falling from the sky. I mean it's raining really hard. What this is saying is be angry, okay? have righteous anger towards sin, um, and do not let the sun go down on it, meaning don't let it just sit there and fester. Go talk to them. Go talk to them. Go confront them in love, right? Go, go do that. Be angry and do not sin. Let the thief no longer steal, okay? Um, Surely at the church at Ephesus where this uh, letter is being written to, there are some former thieves there. But, but the broader context is, is this. Um, uh, again, what is the worldly way of thinking when it comes to working? Okay? Um, it is do as little as possible to gain the most amount of money. Right? That's the best job in the world. Right? You've heard people say stuff like this. I love my job. Why? Because I don't have to do anything at all. Right? Maybe answer a phone or two, and then I, just, I play on my phone, and they pay me for that. Can you believe that? Right? I, I'm, have you guys heard people talk? Like, I, I don't have to do anything. I mean, I barely show. I mean, I can do whatever I want, and they pay me. Right? That, okay. Don't do that. <laughs> it, it, this right here says, um, let the thief no longer steal, but what? There's a, there's a gospel implication in that. Did you see that? Uh, verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands. Why? So that he may have something to what? Share with anyone in need. Okay? So, so this is a type of life that views everything we have as leverage to help other people, right? Do, do you view your stuff? Do you view your house, your car, your clothes, the money that's in your pocket? Do you view it as a leverage point to help and love and serve other people? Again, what, what's the world's worldview? All of my stuff is for who? Me. It terminates on me. It's for my gratification. That is not what the Bible presents. The Bible presents God is going to give stuff to you. He is going to bless you with stuff. But listen, that stuff does not terminate on you. It then should go out of your hand to bless other people. Right? Um, and so let the thief no longer steal, but, but let all of us. Our, our lives should be built in such a way that we're thinking about, how am I going to bless somebody else with what I have? Okay? What does that do? When you begin to bless and love and serve other people, it draws us all in closer. Why is that important? Because we're trying to fight sin together. M remember the other part of the text, right? We're, we're putting off the old man, putting on the new man. We're, we're doing it together as a family. We're providing for each other's needs. We're not letting the sun go down on our anger. We're confronting each other. We're loving and serving each other. Then it says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Come on, ladies in the church, here we go. Let, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. This word corrupting here, uh, it, it means corrosive. It means vile. Um, it, it means when ladies stand around and gossip, it, it's like spewing corruption on each other. And guys do it too. I'm not just picking on the ladies. Guys just do it in a real different way. 
This says, don't let that type of talk uh, come out of your mouth, but we should be building up. I love that, building up. You should see yourself as a spiritual construction worker, okay? You should see yourself as a spiritual construction worker. When you talk, when you speak to other people in the church, you should be a spiritual construction worker building people up. Now, I can tell you because I do come from a construction background, um, some days is demolition day. Okay? Some days is demolition day. You, you go into the house and you're rebuilding some cabinets or, or, or you're going to put up some walls. But what do you do first? You got to do some deconstruction. You got to come in there with the sledgehammer and, and knock some walls out. You, you got to come in there with the crowbar and, and snatch that old cabinet out. You got to beat it to pieces so you can get it through the door and get that junk out of there. Then, then you do the building up. If you build on top of what's broken, what's going to happen? The whole thing will collapse. Okay, so some days are demolition days and some days are building up days. In the same way, we as believers in Christ, sometimes it is demolition. It's saying, look, don't do this anymore. I, I see the way that you're living. I see the way you're acting. I see the way you're talking. And you can't do that. That's the destruction. That's the, de the demolition day. But then you come in with the building up. Dude, I, you know, what, what, did, uh, what did my brother Paul do during announcements? Man, that, that was building up our, our sister Leah. Just, dude, she's, she's a servant, man. We, we see you doing this. This is awesome. We love you. Thank you so much for everything you do. That's that building up, right? And then the, the bottom part of that verse said speaking grace to one another. Let me ask you this question. Do you frequently and often speak grace to the people who are around you? Do you remind them who they are in Christ? Right? That, that's what we gotta do. We gotta remind each other who we are in Christ. That, that's, that's how we should talk to each other. Remind each other. Remind your neighbor. Remind your wife. Remind your brother. Remind your friend. Remind them who they are uh, in Christ. Lastly, it said, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. A couple of application points that I'm gonna get out of your way. Number one, daily fight sin. Daily fight sin. Where are you callous? Where do you need to fight? Tomorrow, wake up in the morning, remind yourself, this is who I was. I, I, I was a pill-popping woman chaser. That's who I was. But I'm not that anymore. I, I am a son of God. I've been totally transformed. I'm new in Christ. This is who I am. And then operate out of that. That's putting on that new self, okay? Daily fight sin. Number two, get into a community group. Yeah, get into a community group, guys. Th these are groups that meet uh, all throughout the week. We have a group on Saturday. We have a group on Wednesday. And now we have a new group on Thursday, okay? Th these are awesome. People get together in a home. They sing. Uh, they eat food and talk about the Bible, okay? That that's awesome. They, they also go out into the city and do uh, several different city projects to where uh, there's a battered women's shelter that we, that we support and, and do projects for. There's several other projects that we do, and, and we serve um, other people in the city through our community groups, okay? Get into a community group. Again, we got one on Wednesday. We got one on Saturday. We got one on Thursday. There, there's three opportunities um, for you to get plugged in and get involved. Get into a community group. Why? Because you're not supposed to be fighting sin all by yourself, God created us to be dependent on each other. And lastly, I'm gonna get out of your way. Confront and build up. Confront and build up. Who, who in your life do, do you know that's walking in sin that you need to confront them? 
Who is that person? I mean, they're just doing something and it's destructive and dumb and you need to tell them. In addition, who in your life do you just need to speak life and grace into? Man, can I just encourage you guys, before you leave today, would you just build somebody up with your words? Like, b- before you go out of here and get in your car, just, just build somebody up. Man, I, acknowledge what they do. Just, hey, man, I, I see you every week, man. You, you come in here, and, and you help set up speakers, and man, that's awesome. Or, man, I'm so encouraged by how you raise your children. Or, I'm so encouraged that you guys have been married for all these years and are still together. Just, just encourage. Build somebody up uh, with your words today uh, b- before you leave, okay? So, the, the big question is, how do we daily fight sin? Okay, how do we daily fight sin? We daily fight the sin in our life by seeing it crucified on the cross. Okay, man, this is so exciting. Think about all the terrible stuff you've done, right? Isn't it depressing (laughs) when you think about all the junk that you've walked in, when you think about what you did in the back seat when you were in college or high school, when when you think about that stuff you smoked and what you drank, and when you think about how you spoke to your wife, when you think about those thoughts that you had about him or her, see that nailed to the cross. It was nailed to the cross and it was crucified with Jesus and and, and you no longer are accountable for those sins. That's not you anymore. You're something altogether new and different. You're now in Christ and out of that, that is how we daily fight sin. But we don't do it alone. We do it in the context of community with brothers and sisters in Christ coming around us, linking arms with us and helping us lead and live holy and godly lives. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you um, for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross in our place for our sins. Uh, God, I pray that we would be a people marked by uh, putting off that old man. God, we, we don't want to be anti-culture. We want to be counter-culture. We, God, we want to live such lives that the city of Fayetteville looks in on us and says, who are these people? They're weird and different. But I want to be a part of that. I pray that that would be what this church is marked by, weird and different, um, but, but really attractive. Uh, God, not that we would be the ones that are attractive, but, but it would be you. That, that's the only thing attractive here. We're, we're a bunch of sinners, and the only thing attractive here is Jesus. And so, God, I pray that we would put off that old man, we would put on that new man. I, I just sense in the spirit now, um, Man, I, I just want somebody, um, I, I don't know who you are, maybe, maybe it's multiple people, would, would, you just, would you just right now put that old man off? Just say, say it in your heart or say it out loud. This is who I was, I was, and you fill in that blank, do that now. This is who I was. And now say, this is who I am in Christ. I'm forgiven, I'm free. I'm not unrighteously angry anymore. I'm not the victim anymore. I'm not the abused anymore. I'm not the alcoholic anymore. I'm not the womanizer anymore. I'm not the religious prideful person anymore. I'm in Christ, I'm new. Father, would you send your spirit to set somebody free this morning? Would you liberate some souls this morning from that old man? 
I ask you that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Um, we have sang and extolled the mighty name of Jesus.